Listening to people who coach leaders offers us a fascinating lens to look at our development through. That's what we're doing today, talking to coaches. What issues do they come across when coaching women and what strategies deployed and skills are learned have they discovered have been really helpful? Great insights, great conversations, great learning. Hi, this is Penny DeVolk. Welcome to Grit in the Oyster, a conversation about how we navigate our careers, our organizations, our lives as women leaders. Exploring its challenges, learning from others, sharing best practice, an opportunity to step out of the fray for a bit, to help you tune out some of the noise and tune into being the best leader you can be. Well, I'm delighted to have in the studio with me today two great executive coaches and colleagues. We've worked on senior women's development programs together before, and I know they have huge wisdom to bring to women leaders, drawing on their extensive experience and expertise in that world. So welcome, Mary and Dina. Thank you very much. Thank you, Penny. Mary Gregory and Dina Gornick, just a bit about you both. Dina's personal battle to overcome stage fright led her to train as a psychotherapist and then an executive coach. And she has been coaching women and men who lead in the corporate sector for 30 years now. Lectures at conferences around the world on issues related to women in power. It's great to have you here, Dina. And Mary. Mary works with both men and women leaders who wish to focus on how to be as well as what to do to achieve success. So with a background in psychotherapy and business leadership, she's particularly passionate about empowering women to step up and fulfill their leadership potential. So I'm just delighted to have you both here today. And I'm wondering, to kick off this conversation about women's leadership development, we really believe that as, as coaches, we can see through the lens of your experience. And I'm wondering, what are the themes you observe when coaching women managers and leaders as a very broad opening question? I think the I think probably the biggest theme is and forgive me if it's an obvious one but I think it's how to be a woman in a man's world mm-hmm. how to have your voice heard and how to speak uh, how to be an, an immigrant a newcomer right uh, in um in a world really where I don't think we should be seen as newcomers anymore but we still are and yeah. moreover we still see ourselves as newcomers we, yeah. so we that still have sense that sense of still feeling somewhat of an alien that's right. In and that world. That's right. And I think not by all, in fact, blessedly less and less, but by some men as, as a threat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and so I think that's probably the biggest. Okay. What about you, Mary? Well, I think um, for me, it's about helping women step up and be resilient in a system. It's a system issue, actually. It's not just about men and women, because actually what I believe in is actually men and women coming together and working together effectively. But because of how things go in businesses and in organisations, it's almost a systemic issue that women and men have held certain beliefs and unconscious biases which Mm. cause certain behaviours to be repeated. And a lot of the coaching I find myself doing is actually supporting women to be able to influence their colleagues, get their buy-in to their point of view um, and have greater impact. So again, that getting your voice heard in an environment where maybe your tone of voice people aren't used to listening to. Um, so what are some of the opportunities you see for women in organizations if this is the world where, you know, the, the reality is whether these subconscious, unconscious biases have been millennia in the making and organizations which haven't been around for that long yeah. have been pretty much designed by and for men to not feel 
like the alien? Or how do you build that resilience in women who are not quite sure how to step into their leadership identity because they're not quite sure what that looks like as a woman? Yeah. So I think the opportunity that I see, particularly in the current uh, terrain of organisations, is that women's natural aptitude and ability really lends itself to the lead, leading in the new normal. Mm-hmm. So, you know, change is ever fast. There's lots of chaos around. There's lots of changing of priorities all, all the time. And women are particularly adept at building relationships, leading in a more ego-less way, mm-hmm. I would say. So it's not that we don't, because we all have an ego, but there's something about women being able to transcend their ego more effectively, build more effective relationships, um, be more transparent and work much more collaboratively, mm. which is so much necessary in today's workplace. Yeah. Okay, so you're saying that there's some some natural strengths yeah, absolutely. that women can bring to bear to and, their leadership. And I think there's some McKinsey research that's been done that actually highlights where women are stronger than men in mm-hmm. these new capabilities that are required in, in mm. sort of leading leadership today. That's really interesting. Do you know what about you? What do you see as the opportunities for women? I think we can make it up. I think mm-hmm. we we as leaders can create new ways of leading. I mean, I think Sally Hagelson, who's a, a woman I love to read, um, and has writes a lot about women in power, uh, talks about the web of inclusion being a, a, a way of leading where the, the, the leader sits in the middle of her organization and learns from every person uh, above her, below her. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't necessarily need to be the expert. She's an expert in leadership. She's an expert in how, how to run an organization, but she hires and works with people who know much more than she does. And I, and I think women are really good at that. I think some men are. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of uh, men are learning that that's actually a much more effective way of running an organization. But I think we as women don't have a legacy to follow. We can create a legacy. We can create a new way of doing it. And I think that's a fantastic opportunity. Mm. And I totally agree with what you've said, Mary, about about relationships, that that's how we have led for thousands of years. And um, and I think that's how we continue to lead as mm. women. It's a really interesting idea that, you know, the door is open to reshape what good leadership looks like today. Mm. Um, and, of course, going through those doors, certainly some of the themes, uh, you know, I hear women saying is, is that tentativeness or the resilience or what does it take to really thrive, not just survive in a world where you're feeling sometimes a little bit other. Um, Let's talk about courage. Mm. What fuels women's courage in your experience? Courage doesn't exist without fear. Mm. So I think fear is the biggest fuel. I think we're learning that um, leadership's not comfortable. It's not supposed to be any more than any other things we like are comfortable. I, I've never abseiled. I don't really want to because I'm so, 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 so afraid of it. But I think people who love abseiling are afraid of it too. Mm-hmm. And I think that's part of its joy. And and for me, leadership, um, risk-taking, being doing things that haven't been done before are, are, are really scary and really important. Mm-hmm. So I think for courage... The biggest thing you need to do is allow your vulnerability to shine and not be afraid of it, to mm. do things like ask questions, do things like say, I'm scared, do things like say, wow, I don't really understand that. That's fascinating. Um, can I ask you some questions about that? That's courage. Mm-hmm. I think I think the old days of, ah, uh, you know, being courageous, bereft of fear, I don't think that's true. I think yeah. that's a myth. So acknowledge mm. that it's you're afraid. Yeah. And what are you going to do with that? That's yeah. right. I think that's really a powerful thing to do. Yeah. 
Mm. I totally agree, Dina. And I'm actually working with a global company at the moment who are introducing a change programme, which actually, in essence, is introducing more feminine, if I dare call it that, feminine type ways of being, which is actually being more vulnerable, being able to say when you don't know, because historically they've been an organisation that's been built around, you know, I know I have to I have to have the right answer all the time. And now they're changing the behaviours and recognising to stay ahead and to stay competitive as an organisation. They need to be much more collaborative, much mm-hmm. more open to relationships, which means being vulnerable. And my interpretation of courage is all about People who act with courage doesn't mean they're not frightened. They've yeah. just learned to take the fear with them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're asking what, where does it come from? I mean, I'm, I, I was coaching a, a woman leader recently who I just, and I have to say I'm in awe often of my clients because they frequently are acti- acting with enormous courage yeah. in dealing with the environments they're dealing with and the comments from male colleagues or whatever. And exploring with her what caused her to, because she she's known as a challenger in the organisation, and exploring that with her, it's very linked to her passion and her values. Yes. And if she sees those being crossed, she will step up. Yeah. And and it doesn't. It almost is a reaction rather than be acting with courage. She does it because it's what makes her heart beat, yeah. and she can't bear to see it. The the certain behaviours that she's seeing. Mm taking place. Yeah, I think that's really interesting Mm. that courage, you know, you can step into Mm. your courage if you know what your purpose is. Yeah. And for for women, connecting to their leadership purpose is huge fuel for them. You know, why am I here? What difference am I making? What am I doing? Yeah. And, um, you know, really interesting to see that even the data around how women negotiate. Yeah. They don't negotiate as well as men for themselves. When they negotiate on someone else's behalf, they're 17 to 23% better. So Yeah. Well, it's really interesting because this particular leader, who is incredibly courageous, I believe, um, what, she, what her edge is, what she's working on, is being able to communicate her message in a way that the men around the table Can hear. will hear. And mm. she's the only woman on the board. So it's like... You know, the, the, it's so easy to get into gender stereotyping. Yes. The way she can be quite reactive, they dismiss her as emotional. Yes. Well, actually, she's learning to how can I deliver my message, challenge my colleagues in a way that is much more rational because that's where they're coming from. Yes. You know, there's something else here too for me around um, that courage is actually far more accessible than we think it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, that I, I actually... And I know I say this a lot, but I don't believe in confidence. I don't think it exists. What I do think exists is an ability to focus, an ability to concentrate where, where it is that your attention goes. And I think women are spectacular at that. And, and that is why we can choose courage. It doesn't come to us. Mm-hmm. We have to choose it. Mm. Let's talk about women and power. What do you notice about that? Because, you know, there's been a lot written about it and also even talking about this as a powerful woman, an ambitious woman, sometimes comes with an edge that powerful, ambitious man does not come with. Mm. What do you see Mm. women being able to tap into their power being about? What do you notice when you're working with women leaders? It's interesting. I I led a course about, was one of the first workshops I ever led about 30 years ago for women in power, women who were coming to the forefront of their leadership in a particular uh, chemical company. 
And I asked the question, I remember 30 years ago, I said, what, what does the word power mean to you? And I know that if I'd asked that question today, the answers that I got then, oh, I wouldn't get now. Well, power is a terrible thing, they mm. said. It's a, it's a power over something. It's, um, it can be potentially destructive, abused. And I think today that's very different. I think women stand in their power very willingly. They do so with fear, i.e. courage. I think women have an attitude towards power, which, as you touched on, Mary, is much more collaborative. So the fact that I am powerful as a, as, a, as a female leader means that I will do whatever I can, if, particularly if I'm a good leader, to facilitate other people's power, not only women, men and women, the workforce, make my organization work the best that it can be, that I will have a willingness, I will be so powerful. So power is something that you let in. It's not something that you force. Mm. Mm. And I think we've learned that. Mm. And I think truly powerful leaders of any gender allow their power. So if they see somebody who does something better than they do, they encourage it, they empower it. Mm -hmm. That's true power. Mm. I think women uh, achieve power through connection. Right. You know, it's not power through might, as you're alluding to, yeah. Dina. It's power through connection. And I think I also notice, and this is just from coaching a lot of women, that there's almost um, a lack of recognition of how powerful they are mm -hmm. because they are doing it differently. Yeah. And the norm is to be mighty and powerful that way. And actually, they're doing it in a different way. So they don't necessarily recognize, actually, you have got a lot of power mm. going on here. Mm. So a lot of the work I would do with a woman is actually to help her see how powerful she is mm. and what the choices are that she can create for herself mm. as well. Yeah, really interesting. Um, we talked about uh, power through connection. And, you know, at the uh, risk of we don't want to just, you know, replace one stereotype with another or stereotype because, you know, there's not a chief exec, I'm sure, that you have guys haven't all worked with for the last decade or two that's so frustrated that they can't bring their women through into the senior ranks. And mm -hmm. the days of doing the business case are so long gone. This is now about how do we accelerate it? How mm -hmm. do we take this talent? How do we ensure that women will step into their leadership um, identity with greater confidence and success? And one of the things that comes up quite regularly, talked about power through connection, is the ambivalence women can have to things like networking and visibility raising, even though we might say their natural skills are to be deeply interconnected and interdependent. What's your experience been around that? Well, my experience is, as a woman as well is that the way networking it has been traditionally conducted is has been quite male focused in that respect you know often it's breakfast clubs or in the pub after work and and it's often there's there's, there's almost a fixed view of you know it's that cocktail party with the stale yes. cheese and prawn sandwiches Everyone and things swapping and, cards <laughs> and actually women are really good at relationships and actually networking is all about relationships and you know, going back to what Dina was saying at the, at the beginning, women are in a place where they can create networking as they want it to be and make it work for them. And if it's if it means having coffee with a friend, that is a networking meeting from their point of view, and they will create a much more authentic connection with mm. somebody on that basis rather than going to a, a cheese and wine cocktail event where everyone's out there to see how many people they can meet and mm. tick the boxes. Mm. Um, so I think it's making it really real for women yep. um, and make it work for all the multiple plates that they're spinning as well. Mm. 
It's interesting because you're so right, Penny. There is a great ambivalence. I mean, yeah. you alluded to that too, Mary. There, there is a great ambivalence to networking, and I think it's because of the word, the word networking. Mm. It's it's like you know, it's, it's like the digital age. It's yeah. transactional, exactly. Mm. Whereas, it, it, I'm glad you use that word because I think it's it is it, it's transformational. True, mm. true networking, and what we do as women so well is connect. So the greatest networkers don't even know sometimes. They might not even call themselves networkers. Mm. It's those people who say, oh, Penny, you're, mm. you're doing X, Y, and Z. Have you met Mary? Because she's, yeah. let me, mm. I'm going to e-connect you guys. You're fabulous women, the two of you. You both have such synergy. Yeah, you I'm gonna, speak. Uh, yeah. yeah. And, and I think women do that marvelously mm. um, and, the, and and that women need to get over themselves about their ambivalence about networking because it, I, we maybe perhaps need to find a new word for it yeah. because we are cracking at it yeah. we enjoy doing it um, it's just that that word and the cold goujons and the yeah. bad wine thing, which is <laughs> and the, like a small and slice the, yeah, of networking. The, the ghastly swapping cards, <laughs> or you know, a lot of women have you know done network and they've gone in and you know, looked at this this room full of grey suits and thinking, oh yeah. no, I don't want to be here. Yeah. But yeah, so a different perspective, reframing yeah. what networking is. Yeah. Yeah. Certainly, some of the the women who reframe it into there's someone in this room that's more scared than I am. I'm going to find who that is and uh, do something for them. The, and exactly. it just suddenly turns a switch on their head as opposed to I'm in this really tacky thing, you know, with sort of you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours, and that's not who I am. Yeah. Kind of very interesting. So we talked about networking, visibility, raising. Um, we Before, we just talked about navigating a landscape where leadership models have been male, uh, historically, and the men, we know, would be the first to and there's a, uh, to admit that, and also a lot of the unconscious bias. Women are just as, yeah. uh, you know, we I know that all of the data shows that, um, you know, how women look at other women is exactly the same uh, as men do very mm. often. So mm. even in negotiating your salary, it doesn't pay to have a woman boss because if a woman is, you know, looks grabby or talks about the money, the women will um, uh, will discount her as much as the men. So it's kind of a murky landscape for leadership to look different. What are the um, what are the emerging styles of leadership that you think might help women? You talked a little bit about mm. it, Mary. What are the emerging styles of leadership that might help women keep in their mind's eye what good looks like mm. so they get less confused, less noise about, well, I can't be that person? Mm. Well, I, so there's something about not needing to be that person. There's something about, you know, the whole school of authentic leadership mm-hmm. and everything that actually be yourself and recognize your strengths and and believe in your... I think the whole thing about believing in your strengths as well as a woman... Yeah. And, you know, one soundbite for me is like your difference is your greatest strength, actually, mm. because organisations need diverse boards. They need people with different skills and, and aptitudes. So recognising that and believing in that, I think, is really, really important. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think women have ordinarily been encouraged to do that in the past. I think it is changing. I see a new, in the millennial generation yes. coming through, I see, I see a new level of confidence in About women. New, mo- new modes of yeah, leadership. Yeah, I mm. do. And and confidence in self, which maybe in previous generations wasn't so present. Yeah. So yeah. I think it's changing. I, 
I agree it's changing, and I'm grateful, glad it, that it's changing. Because I think I think you're right. Authentic leadership is 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 the future. It is the it mm. is the way ahead. You know that whole uh, charismatic leader, mm-hmm. gregarious celebrity, a celebrity, mm. re- loud kind of. Uh, you know, I can th- think of a... somebody <laughs> just like that at the moment. <laughs> I won't mention his name. <laughs> yeah, no, well, I, we all know who you mean. Um, but I, th- I think that's really outmoded. I think that's really outdated. Yeah. I, I don't think people, people want to be led by real people. They don't do, they? and also the quiet revolution. Mm. This is this is the time of the introvert, and I really believe that. I mean, I'm not. I'm an extrovert, but I most of the people I coach are introvert. And I think they used to think, particularly introvert women, used to think that they didn't have a place at the leadership table. And I think they do. I, I, I don't think, I think you're absolutely right, Mary. I don't think there is a set way to be a leader. Mm. And I think this, the, the, another big word in leadership is brand, you know, which your brand is a leader. I think quirkiness, mm. um, uh, introversion, Visionary is still really important, yeah. mm-hmm. but I think quiet visionaries are really interesting. They're very compelling leaders. Mm. So there, there's a lot more flexibility, yeah. I think, in the whole leadership mm. space. I think uh, you're right. In the and authentic piece, people want to trust their leaders these days, yes. and I think there's been quite a, a shake-up in that respect. And you can't trust anyone unless you're pretty sure you're getting some of the real stuff. Yeah, I think that's And there's right. something, I mean, alluded to at the beginning about being more egoless. No, yeah. you know, and we can't be, we are human beings, we all have egos, but there is something around being able to transcend your ego and go beyond yourself. So it isn't. It isn't. It isn't just all. This about whole me. thing about it's yeah. all about me, and I'm the hero leader. Just doesn't exist. Yeah. In the current domain, it, the new normal well, it requires be, a whole different set. Certainly won't be as effective. Yeah. yeah. So, what strategies have you seen women successfully deploy to thrive in this environment that you are immersed in with your clients? I mean, I have seen mimicry going on. And it has Ooh. been successful. Yeah. So making it's a good sure, way to learn role yeah, modeling. Yeah. making sure that you know they turn up in the right attire and that sort of thing, mm-hmm. and develop more masculine traits. I've seen that happening, but it doesn't necessarily lead to feeling great about oneself because you're not necessarily being true to yourself that what way. What sort but of masculine traits are you thinking? I'm just thinking about. You mean things like voice or voice, um, dress? You know, dark suits and. Particularly in certain types of organisations and things, I've seen that go on. Um, so how do you feel about that? About women I, who well, look I think, to moderate yeah, their I think, persona so that they are heard and seen as credible leaders? Well, I think there is something about part of being in an organisation. There's organisational culture and do you fit with that culture? And it's about finding an organisation where you do. But on your journey, you may well find yourself in organisations where Hmm. you don't. And so it's kind of a natural inclination to either comply or rebel against that. And that's the challenge, isn't it, is finding that, how you're conforming to something that's not your true self. Or are you just taking the edges off so your true self can actually blossom? That's one of the reasons I call this podcast The Grit and the Oyster. You know, because actually grit will either get spat out or it'll grow into a pearl. And what do we have to do to ensure that we're sufficiently surviving to thrive in an ecosystem like that? What do you think, Dina, about people who conform, change, mimic, you know, the strategy of looking at what works for other people? I worry about it a lot. Um, I, I, 
I know what it's like to suffocate who you are mm-hmm. and how hard it is to thrive, how hard it is to be the leader that you can be if you hide an aspect of yourself or change the change yourself in order mm. to fit into a culture. In fact, it's funny because earlier when you asked the question about strategy, I thought the strategies that I've seen actually work the best are when a woman goes for meaning mm-hmm. in, mm. her, in her career and goes actually for the, for the position that gives her meaning. The, the old hippie uh, expression, follow your bliss, I think applies mm. here, you know. But that's the strategy that works. And in order to do that, she has to be the fullest of herself that she can be. And it may be that she goes initially for a piece of work that may not be the highest paid position, but it will eventually lead her to great success. That's certainly been a strategy that I've mm-hmm. seen work yeah. often mm. in my so that's base. their compass, looking at for those successful women you've seen is finding that ability to navigate without losing what actually your real purpose yeah. is in I, your working life. I think that's the the best mm-hmm. strategy that a leader can take. I really do. Mm. I think also what I've also observed is in women who take it on. So they they might have had you know difficult times in their career but they really use it to learn mm. and build on that and they don't give up and they don't take it personally. I, I think that's right. And I, th- I think those women who kind of become a man, who kind of do that thing, uh, thankfully that's becoming more and more outmoded. But when it happens, it leads to such fundamental unhappiness, mm. yeah. not only on their part, but on the people who them. work for them yeah. or, wi- or even the people who manage them or the people who yeah. are managed by them. And those are the... Those are the, the in my experience, the women who think that the the glass is absolutely, totally half empty, mm. and so are threatened by any women coming mm. through, they're they're the Madeleine Albright enemies. They're the Madeleine Albright women mm. who will end up. They will find mm. a place in hell, you know. Because that is a true very North sad is stereotype, isn't it? It is, that, and it's the sad queen bee and the woman who mm. you know pulls the ladder up behind her. Oh, yeah. And you think, gosh, you know, is how true is that? God. And what does you know what mm. does it mean? How you know what yeah. sort of protection yeah. uh, women who are doing that? You know, uh, what would motivate them to do that? Insecurity, I mm. think. In yeah. that that and but sadly they they I mean, you know, it's that Margaret Thatcher model of, I mean, I got here. Come on, I yeah. did it. You can do it too. You don't need my help. Yeah. I had to pull through the quagmire and the, all the amb- ambiguities. You do it now. It's your turn. Yeah. Uh, I don't think so. I think and actually, not... linking back to what you're talking about, you know, what is leadership going forward? Leadership is not compromising on yourself and your mm. values mm. and what's important to but you. But tapping into them. Yes. Yeah. In fact, yeah. ta- really understanding yeah. what's important to you. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I think having a mentor, mm. and I think... The mentor can be male or female, but having a mentor and a sponsor within the organisation yeah. is really, really helpful. Yeah. And, of course, coaching, yeah. which is what many of women that come to see me come because they want to navigate their career and yeah. get very, themselves... Yeah. With skill and very purposefully. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. very clear. And mentoring, I'm glad you brought that word in because I think it's a really effective part of leadership Mm. and not only to be mentored but to mentor yes Mm. you talk about networking i mean being mentored and mentoring one of the best ways Mm. to network Mm. really and i think uh, both positions are very to use that marvelous word powerful yeah very very powerful yeah so what do you see mentoring giving women leaders out there i think it really helps them with their communication skills. I think it really helps them to share 
the platform of, of leadership to extend their perception of what leadership is. We learn by stories, you know. So if I tell you the story of the success of my leadership, AI, I teach myself more about the levels of it myself, but you then are brought up to connect with your own stories. It's really, I mean, men have been mentoring each other for mm, centuries. Yeah. That's what, you know, they don't call it mentoring, but yeah. that's what they do. That's what the old boys network is all about. Yeah. And, and, and I think to, to, to create a model like mentoring does facilitate both parties, both the mentee and the mentor, yes. learning from each other. It's, yeah. a, it's beautiful. I think it's one of the most, I think it's even. I think, yeah, and I also think the whole thing is leadership is not a solitary act. No. Yes. So you need to engage with other people. And actually as a leader, you need to be engaging with other people to help you look at things from other perspectives. And both mentoring and coaching can offer that. And what about sponsorship? You mentioned that. Yeah. Mary. Well, I think it depends. As a component yeah, part of your absolutely. mentor. Absolutely. Well, choosing a mentor who can also be your sponsor? I think it's very useful if you do because you, you want your mentor to be an advocate for you. Mm-hmm. But I know I've, I've worked with certain organisations and this accounts for men and women, not just women mm. alone, but you will not get ahead in that organisation unless you have a sponsor yeah. up on the senior board. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you need to, you need to you know, it's all about checking in with what's going to work around here and how can I work with this yeah. to support me to be my best here. And to do that as my best self. Yes, In a way that's not diminishing. And some women, you know, I've talked to who said, actually, I don't think I can thrive in this organisation. But I think I might be able to over here in terms of the edges that, you know, what I can conform to, how I can be. And have made those choices simply around, I can't be my best self here. And it's being prepared to take risks Mm. in order to follow where your values and your belief and your purpose take you. And I think it's a really good thing for an organization to lose somebody mm. for whom the, the organization is not a fit. It works for everybody. Yeah, it does. It's a good yeah, thing to yeah. do. Yeah. I, I yeah. really think that. We've sort of been uh, touching on leadership reputation and how that requires, you know, to build your leadership reputation, build credibility with your peers, with your superiors, people who work for you to build up your influencing capability. What advice might you have for women who are being, you know, uh, very thoughtful about their reputation, yeah. who they are, and how they might build their reputation as leaders. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Whether, I don't know anyone likes this answer, but my my thoughts around this are: be strategic around it. Yeah. Think about what is it you want to be known for. Mm-hmm. Think about because reputation at the end of the day is what people say about you when you're not in the room. That's right. So what sort of conversations do you want people to be having about you? Mm. If you really think about it, are and be the intentional ones, about that. Yeah, are the ones that you want to be having are the, are the ones that have being that are happening for mm. you. And if they're not, think about what you need Why? to do yeah. to to change that for yourself and mm. for the relationships you have with people. Mm. So I would yeah, be intentional, be strategic around yeah. it. And I would say to be humble. Mhm. I think I think the greatest reputation builder is humility. Honor that, that when you sit at the top of an organization and you just create a ripple around the boardroom, that's going to create a tsunami at, at the lowest level. Mm-hmm. And the place to go before you create the ripple is down to the lowest level mm-hmm. and say, "Look, guys, this is this is what I'm thinking about. What, what are your thoughts? Yeah, well, what are the impact be exactly? Yeah. What are your thoughts about that? Mm-hmm. How do you feel about that? I have a lot of questions about it. And actually, the experts in the room are not me about this. 
I've just got the idea. Tell me your thoughts. Yeah. I think that that level of humility is is mm. is is a great reputation builder, mm. and and I agree with you, Mary. I think to be humble requires strategy, yeah. and it requires really being truly curious, and at every level, defying the loneliness of, yeah. of leadership, and speaking at every level mm. about the ideas that you have campaigning and 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 really asking questions and i like that because i think humble fits in with being vulnerable as well so there's a there's definite connection there and you talked about just in uh dina in, in terms of the vulnerability you know defying the loneliness of leadership and when you are already feeling quite other you know, we certainly see women go, gosh, it looks kind of scary up there, but also it looks kind of lonely. Mm. And for people who come from a primarily interdependent, you know, it feels risky mm, to do that. Risky. What advice might you have for women who do need, they are stepping into their leadership, often leaving their peers behind and having to distance themselves from relationships that have been very important to them? What advice might you have for mm. them? Well, I can think of one fantastic leader, actually, woman, woman leader, and she had like her her inner circle who she carried with her throughout her career. So mm. wherever she was, whatever job she had, and it was about five people mm-hmm. that she really trusted implicitly and could call on to help her, you know, sort things out for herself, make sense of things and give her that inner sense of confidence that she needed. So she never actually felt alone. So she kept that. She kept those. Mm. I think keep it. She actually established it early in her career, and she kept that group together, and she carried through. And it's a bit like I, I mean, as a coach, you know, you're often working quite solitary mm. with your clients. You know, having events where we connect with other coaches and things is a great source of helping us mm. appreciate what's going on with us, but also what might be happening. It's learning, learning mm. about our clients. So mm. so creating some sort of, it's almost like she had her little learning set that she took the whole way mm. through And investing in your tribe. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah and often absolutely. we don't think that's a good, you know, because we've got to get home, we've got the kids to pick up, we've got yeah. everything to sort. But actually it's probably as important as yeah. mentoring and sponsorship and yeah. networking as am I investing in my tribe who will always be there to support and even finding those people. Yeah. There might be half a dozen people who are tried and trusted, who know you, who will call you out, but who you will always yes. know you can pick the phone up to and go. Because actually going, be going a, back to your question, board. loneliness is a perception, really. Yes. It's, we perceive that we're lonely, but are we really? Because if you've created a network and an inner circle that's really supportive of who you are, and it's a two-way street, you support Absolutely. your, You've got your to invest network it, as well, yeah. your core circle as well. It really, I think that is a really great way of overcoming that perception that leadership is lonely. It's lonely if you create it as lonely. Yeah, it, it is. And it, it, and and I think the greatest thing that a leader can do to defy that loneliness is to take care of herself. Yeah, that's the one place women leaders are really bad at. Mm-hmm. They put their children, their partners, their spouses, their husbands, uh, their organizations, everyone before they put themselves. They don't eat enough. They don't sleep enough. They 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 do terrible things to themselves mm-hmm. to 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 reinforce. Uh, the potential myth yes. of loneliness. But you know, loneliness is a terrible feeling. It's a horrible feeling. And it creates terrible things that leaders can feel, like shame. Mm. And and so the, the, the more a, a leader can take care of herself, and that I know that's such an easy thing to say, mm. 
but it does need to be a priority. I watch really mm. successful leaders, religious about their physical fitness. Yes. They are religious about their bedtimes. They're religious about um, going to get massages. They're mm-hmm. about their their mindfulness uh, routine, whatever it is that they do to support themselves. I've learned a lot because yeah. as a coach, I think we're, we're, we can be guilty of that too. Mm-hmm. We can put everybody else before us, mm-hmm. and I think I think that level of self care in a leader mm-hmm. is is paramount, yeah. and it pays huge dividends because we just know they will be more effective at they their will. job. Absolutely, if they are more rounded in terms of looking after themselves. But it's it's hard, as you say, yeah. to see the wood for the trees when people are, you know, mired in that and your first instincts are not necessarily yes. to start spending time on looking after yourself. Yeah. Ooh. It's the old, um, you know, when you get in the aircraft and they do the safety announcement, put your own oxygen mask on first because if you don't put that on, you won't be any, any good helping other people. Absolutely. So uh, <laughs> it's definitely that, that rings true, doesn't it? Yeah, it really does. Um, what about turnkey insights for women leaders that you might have noticed in your careers as you have walked the road of leadership development with them. Are there sort of some some sort of big sort of swivels you have seen happen? That's Here's the biggest. Interesting. Yeah. Here's the biggest one. The, those women who forego being liked for being respected. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think it's, it's a lesson of maturity, but I think women who have actually taken themselves on that journey mm-hmm. uh, are really strong leaders. Yeah. And, and, and funnily enough, the byproduct of that, oddly enough, is that they're actually really liked. <laughs> People but, like them. But, but yes, yeah, so that, that tension between likability and, and competence that they have not defaulted to, it's, it's more important that I'm liked. It's more important that I'm respected. Absolutely. Yeah. And my boundaries are really clear. This is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm not going to do. Mm-hmm. You know, I've seen women transmogrify from being the person who gets on her hands and knees to pick up all the rubbish on the floor and change the light bulbs mm. to a leader who walks in and says... Oh, um, oh! I'm really disappointed that isn't done. Yeah. Um, well, you see to it that that gets yeah. done quickly. Mm-hmm. You know, it, 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 it. People like boundaries. People like knowing what people's boundaries are. A leader who's really clear with her boundaries is a really good leader, and I think that is huge. Okay. Mm. Really I, I go along totally with that, and it, it really is about respecting yourself first, so that you you exude that respect out mm. to others and they respect you too and i mean for me the whole thing i think i mentioned at the beginning is that it's about your your difference is your greatest strength mm. so to value that i think is really really important Amen. so not to yeah. not to think well i'm different i've got to I've therefore got to behave myself. i've got to mm. behave differently to mm. be more like them actually no hold on to your difference because mm. it really really is your greatest strength mm. Mm. Agree 100% with that. So as women executives in your own right, what have been the biggest learnings for you individually or personally in your own careers as leaders? Are you able to share any of those? <laughs> well, well, specific stories? I've, I, my, my thought is Yeah, we that, love you know, a story, well, Mary. Tell us a story. I'm trying to think of a specific story, actually. <laughs> I think, I think my, my biggest learning overall, and I'll try and think of a story as I'm talking, but is about it's okay to be me. Yep. And I think I, you know, so the old imposter comes into yes. being here because, you know, I think I've gone through a lot of my career feeling a bit odd and like I'm different and actually realising, what am I going on about? Actually, I'm absolutely fine. What I bring to the table is really, really valuable, which I, I, it links back to my insight, my turnkey insight. Yeah. But uh, yeah. I think 
recognizing that has been really it's my been journey. Huge for you personally. Yeah. yeah. Mm. What about you, Dina? When I was starting out, I used to wear suits that were uh, just ever so slightly tight. I used to wear really high heeled shoes. I used to wear loads of makeup. And I used to, when I spoke at conferences, I'd have these fantastically thick notebooks full of typewritten notes from all the things that I was going to say. And I look at myself now, you know, wear a little bit of mascara <laughs> if I'm in the mood. Who um, is that woman? I put a little smear of lipstick on, you know. I wear um, nothing but Eileen Fisher or anything else that has elastic in it. And, um, and I go to a conference with a note card that's about the size of a thumb with a little bit of drawings on it. And I wish, gosh, I wish that 30 years ago I knew what that, I knew That now. would have been okay. That quirkiness, that artisticness, the, yeah. the creative passion that I had then was very useful that I shouldn't have suffocated it. And yeah. I'm, I'm loving being me in a, in a world that likes me being me too. Yeah. And which has actually supported your success, yeah. not the opposite. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So as we wrap up, any final advice you would have for any of the, the people listening and for women in particular who are thinking about really putting some muscle into building their leadership capability in general? Well, my advice would be go for it. Yeah. Um, make sure you recognize your strengths and what you bring to the table I think is really, really important. Get some support because that is always going to be helpful for you. And don't take things personally, I think is another big learning for Interesting, me. Yeah. So don't take things personally and have some fun. Enjoy it. Yeah, great. Thanks, Mary. Dina. So here's my advice. You're sitting around a table in your boardroom or your team and some you say something and it's prosaic and it's wonderful and it's a really good idea. And then about ha ha about three or four breaths later the man sitting next to you says the exact same thing and it gets a response. When that happens, turn to him and say his name and say, Bill, for want of a better name, that is such a good idea. I'm so glad you agree with me. That is fantastic. Or find another way to have a laugh about it because yes. it will happen. And, and as you say so rightly, Mary, instead of internalizing it, externalize it with joy. Yeah, with joy. You've both talked about having fun with joy, keeping it light, really, really important. Look, it's yeah. just been such a pleasure to have you here this morning and to talk to you both. Mary Gregory and Dina Gornick, fantastic insights from your coaching experience and expertise. Thanks so much for coming in. It's been a real pleasure. It's been great fun. Thank, Thank you, you so very much. much. Thanks, Penny. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Grit in the Oyster. Join me for our next conversation coming soon, available on SoundCloud and iTunes. And stay in touch, Penny at pennydevolt.com.